Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And the title this morning is we're talking about No Turning Back is a series, but we won't give up. We won't give up is what we're talking about. See, we got to keep running the race. Amen. You got to keep running the race. How many know a lot of people start off in a race, but a lot of times they don't finish? How many know that's true about people spiritually? Sometimes people start off so well in, in, their, in this race of, for, uh, as a Christian, but they never finish. They don't finish well. We can, I, we can read in Scripture, and you know in life, people who started out, they loved God. They had such a passion for God, but something happened that sidetracked them. Next thing you know, they just gave up, quit, and walked away. And it's a tragic thing that that happens. But I want to encourage you this morning to keep on running the race. Look what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let's just stop there for a moment. Do you know why the therefore is therefore? It it says it, it calls your attention to look back to what you just read in the previous chapter. In other words, the previous chapter was all about the the people in the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? That lived by faith, that did certain things by faith. And even some of them died in their faith because they were not willing to deny Christ. They they became martyrs for for the purpose of, of standing up for Christ. They finished the race. They didn't give up. They didn't quit in the race. And he says, look at this. He says, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about we're surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses who lived the life of faith. He said, then he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, look at this church. I think this is one of the most stirring passages of Scripture because it's really encouraging the people in the, the writer of Hebrews, encouraging the believers to not to give up in the race, persevere, run it out. You know, this morning in the early service, Scott Knuckles was here, but his family's here. And they know a few years ago, Scott ran the New York Marathon. And in the New York Marathon, for, I mean, for a long time, he trained. I mean, he ran and he ran, and I don't understand that running stuff, you know, but... But he ran and ran. He prepared. He got ready for the marathon. He had to get prepared and had to work, and he worked at it. And same thing, church, spiritually. How many know we have to work, work at staying spiritually in shape? Amen? Are you with me this morning? You got to work at staying in shape. See, as we look at this, the, we're, we're in a race. The, that's what the writer of Hebrews says. It is a race. How many know, real quick, this race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And for, just as a marathon runner, Scott tried and he did. He finished the marathon and did it in good time. He couldn't have just got out of the car and said, "Okay, I'm going to run a marathon." That doesn't happen. You've got to prepare for it. And to, for us to continue to move forward in our lives with God, we have to prepare ourselves spiritually for that. So, what's this race that we're in? It can be described like this: It's the race to heaven. It's a race for life, both abundant and eternal life. It's it is the race to live with God forever. It's a race that, uh, for perfection, a perfect life, a world in which there's no more suffering, corruption, evil, suffering, or death. It's a race to know God, to commune and have fellowship with God. That's what this race is all about. We are looking for that day when we'll be, see Christ. Amen? And just as I said, just as a runner has to get in shape to run, we have to be spiritually in shape. To live the life of faith, the writer of Hebrews in this first verse tells us three things that we really should do. He said, first... 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Have you got things in your life that spiritually slow you down? Is there things you're hanging on to that need to be taken away that you need to get rid of? I mean, there's a lot of times we hang on to things that we don't need. True? Anybody ever hang on to something in your life you don't need? Not just physically, I'm talking about spiritually. Something that it's not, it's not beneficial to you, but you keep doing it over and over and over again. And it continues to take your spiritual energy and you're not being able to be the person that God really wants you to be. And that's where he says in the next thing, he says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What is it? The, the new King James, the King James uses the word the besetting sin, that besetting sin. In other words, that one thing, do you, can you think in your own life, there's one thing that continues to trip you up spiritually? He says, get rid of it. If it's not benefiting you as a spiritually, you need to get rid of it and get it out of your life. And you do that by surrendering it to Christ. If you've got something that continues to eat your lunch as a spiritually, you need to say, God, would you deliver me from this? God, would you take this out of my life? God, would you help me to discipline myself to the point where I can get this out of my life? Amen? He said, we have to strip it off. And he said, let us endure, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So how do we do that? How do we run that race that is set before us? I, I didn't give you the latter part of uh, one, so I'm sorry. See, how do we do that? Well, number one, you can look at the people who've already done it, look back at them. But the writer of Hebrews gives us more information about how we can do this. How we do it is we must keep our eyes on Jesus. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. How many? That's the goal. How many of you are running? If you're trying to obtain something, you keep your eyes on the goal, right? That you can get there. You know, when I was younger, I, my, my dad, who had boats, we he's in the shrimp business. And I remember when I first started running the boat, my dad would, we were out at night and he'd see a light. And he'd say, keep the boat right on that light, son, and just stay right there. And I'd start off very well. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking around like this. And I turn around, I'm nowhere near the light. Nowhere going that direction. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He wants to distract you with everything else around you to get your eyes off of the prize. See, the, the, a runner that's going to run a marathon, he's not just practicing a, fi, a 5K. They're, they're running miles. They're building up miles every time to get to that place where they can run it. And, but they keep their eye on the prize of finishing that. True? And here's the thing. Even in us today, we are to keep our focus on Jesus. Amen? How many has been distracted lately by this stuff? I mean, there's been a lot of things to distract us, hasn't there? I mean, our, our, our political climate in America is crazy. Everything seems to be nuts with everything, with the pandemic and everything. But here's the deal. I'm not looking to them. I, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And if I'm going to live a victorious Christian life, I've got to keep the, the, my focus upon Christ. Amen? And see, it's the same thing with, with all of us. We have to keep our focus on Christ. Look at this. He, verse 2, he says this. He says, we do this to, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated and perfected our faith. And he says, goes on. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's right hand. The joy that was, he said he endured it before the joy that was set before him. What was that? The joy of our salvation, bringing us back into fellowship with God. But think about that. He says, this, this is the, who we keep our eyes on. We keep our eyes on Christ. And one of the other ways by keeping our eyes on Christ is this, remembering what Christ suffered for us. Remembering what Christ suffered for us. Look at, look at, look at the scripture as he says this. He says, 
Think of all the hostilities he endured from sinful people. Then you, you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your life in your struggle against sin. Jesus did, though, for us. Amen? And see, when you, when you feel like you want to give up, you know what? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Then all of a sudden begin to think about what he's done for you. You know what he did for you? He, he went through the cross. He did everything he did that I could be saved. That I could be free from sin. That I, can, that I know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That I know that I win at the end. Amen? The church wins at the end. Because, you know what? That's, we got to live this life with a focus upon Jesus and not, taking it off, not letting anything take it off of it. Amen, church? See, he endured hostilities for us. Remember what Jesus, remembering, remembering what Jesus has done for us keeps us from getting discouraged. When you think about what God has done for you, how can you get, get discouraged? It encourages me when I, th- when I go back and begin to read of all the things that Jesus Christ went through for me. I get encouraged because I, I didn't have to do that. He did it for me. The, the, think about this. I mean, they beat him, his back, to the point where he punched him in the face. It says they pulled his beard out. I mean, he was, a, he was just totally just could not rec- be recognized. Because he was beaten so bad. And who did he do that for, church? He did it for us. He did it for you and me. For everybody who would come into, into the kingdom of God. He paid all, he went through all that just for you and I. When I think about that, how can I be discouraged? That's encouraging. I want to keep my eyes on him. He gives us life for our sin. And we haven't yet even given our life sometimes over to him totally. He gave his life for our sin. But sometimes we haven't totally given ourselves over to him. Isn't it true? So church, remember, remember what God went through for you makes a big difference. It's encouraging. But here's the thing, next thing I want to talk about as we're talking about this this morning. Not, well, we're not giving up. We must be willing to receive God's discipline. Amen. Now, I want to try to help you with this in just a few moments. But look, at, look at this next verse. And have you forgotten the encouraging words, encouraging words, okay, spoken to you as, chil- as his children? He said, my child, do n- don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. He says those are encouraging words. But look at this. I want to help you because the word discipline here is pretty interesting because a lot of times we think it's just God's ready to beat us up. God's ready to take it. He's got it. He's up there waiting as the big ogre waiting for us to mess up so he can bound us over the head. But it's really, that's not what it, he's really talking about here. Look at this. The word discipline, it means this. It means education or training by implication of disciplinary correction, sometimes chastening or chastisement or instructions. And you think about that. What he's saying is, in a sense, the, the, disciple, the discipline of the Lord is like a coach. Anybody ever play sports in school or anything? Did you ever have a coach yell at you for doing something wrong? But here's the thing. That's, this thing is that God, because he loves us, he's like that coach that comes alongside us. He's there. He's put the Holy Spirit in us to lead and guide us into all truth, right? And so he comes alongside. It's not necessarily he's there to beat you down. It's like a, a, a little boy's learning how to play baseball. The coach gets him in the batter's box, tells him how to stand, how to hold the bat, tells him to keep his eye on the ball, and gives him words of encouragement. If he, does something, if he doesn't do it right, he corrects him. 
That's, that's who we're talking about. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Anybody, I mean, playing football, I went out for football, and I, I, they two a day, I hated them, practices. And it was, it was painful. It was hurtful. I didn't want to do it. But after a while, the pain went away. You started really enjoying it because you'll learn how to do it. And it's so true. And, and this is the thing about God's discipline. We must be willing to receive his discipline. Amen? See, why? Why do we need to receive? Because he loves us, he, decide, he disciplines us. Because he loves us, he disciplines us. Look at this. In verse 6, it says, The Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his children. In verse 7, it says, As you endure th- this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who even her, who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? I know I was disciplined by my father many times. I remember sometimes I didn't feel like I deserved it. But I remember many times walking away, talking to myself. I know none of you ever did that, did you? What, I mean, thinking how unjust it was, how wrong he was in doing that. And then I look back on time, it, it, it taught me lessons through life. I disciplined my, my son and my daughter when they were younger. Why? Because I wanted to keep them from making mistakes. Now, a lot of times discipline was not, it was not corporate punishment. Sometimes it was just sitting down and talking to them and trying to understand why you did what you did. I'm going to coach them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out there trying, I'm going to beat you waiting for you to make a mistake. God said, no, you make a mistake. I, I'm here as your coach. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you to make the right step, make the right choice in life. That's what this discipline we're talking about here. And, but for those who are not willing to receive discipline, then it can be really difficult. But here's the thing, church. He disciplines us because he loves us. We need to be able to accept the correction of our Father. Amen? We need to be able to accept the correction of our Father. When he speaks to our hearts about we're doing something wrong, you know what? We need to heed his advice. Why? Because he's trying to protect us. A lot of times people look at the laws of God and say, man, that, that, that keeps me from having fun. No, God's not trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to keep you from, from danger and from harm. He's trying to instruct you in such a way that he can mentor you, that you can become the man and woman of God, and you don't have to get messed up in all these things. That's the God that we serve. That's the discipline we talk about. So let me ask you a question in this. How teachable are you? How teachable are you? That's a, that's a good question for all of us. Sometimes we're very t- teachable in certain areas, but if, if we got a little bit of pride or whatever, we can bow up real quick, can't we? Well, I know how to do that. How teachable? Now look at this in verse 8. He makes this statement. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his child at all. So if God's disciplined me, and I'm not willing to hear it, how many know I'm in a bad place? It's like, it's like the kid that gets up in the baseball game, and the guy's trying to help him to learn how to throw the ball, and tr- trying and trying again, and the, and the kid's just not paying attention. He gets up and does the same thing over and over again, not paying attention to the coach. My grandson, he was here this past weekend, and, uh, the, over this past few days, and Friday, we went out on the river to fish and, and just hang out on the river with the kids. And all of a sudden, the, uh, my, my grandson said, 
uh, he saw, I had a bait caster. A bait caster, if you know, is not an easy thing to throw at all. You got to know what you're doing with it. He, sa- he saw me throwing it. He says, Papa, let, I want to try that. I said, I said, Grafton, it's not an easy thing to do. I said, here, let me show you. I showed him a few times. He goes, oh, I, I got that. I got that. So he and just dropped right down in front of me a little bit. So then I said, I said, well, you got you to cast a little bit harder and keep your thumb, let it just drag onto the, he ran back and threw that thing. Next thing I got a, a, like, just wire, all my spools just like this. I mean, it just all over the place. It backlashed all over the, I had a rat's nest. I mean, it just really, and I, and I had to pull it out. But that's the whole thing. The problem is if we're not willing to receive the discipline, you know what, we're going to blow up, make a rat's nest out of something. If we're not willing to listen to what God's saying to us and correct it and begin to learn from the Spirit of God that's within us, we're going we're to blow something up. You could blow your family up. You could blow friends up. You could, you could just mess up the whole thing because you're not willing to be teachable. We all have to become teachable. And it does not matter how old you are or how spiritually old you are. You may have been serving God for 25, 30 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. You have to remain teachable. You never come to the place where you say, oh, I've got this. No, I've got to depend upon him. Amen? We've got to keep our eyes upon Christ. Amen, church? See, the whole idea of if we become teachable, we listen to God, here's the deal. If we submit, we can submit and live. Amen? Look at the the scripture, verse 9. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirit and live forever? I mean, that's that's true life. We've got to surrender to his discipline. See, church... Without submitting to the discipline, you'll die somewhere spiritually in some areas of your life. There's people sitting here this morning. There, there are certain areas of your life you just feel like it's dead spiritually. Could it, been, could it have been because you weren't wis- willing to submit to God and discipline in the area? And you just made it a part of your regular routine of your life? Anybody ever remember the old uh, program, Father Knows Best? I know we're dating ourselves there. I know that. But see, our Father knows what's best for us. Amen? Our Father knows what's best for us. He knows what we need. He knows the discipline that He needs to do. He can see beyond everything, and He knows exactly what we need in our lives. That's the reason we've got to be willing to submit to His discipline. Look at, look at verse 10. Verse 10, it says, For our earthly father disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God disciplines is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. His discipline is always good for us. Like I said, my dad sometimes, I got got disciplined, got spanked, and I'm wondering why. Well, that wasn't right. He was doing what he knew best. He wanted me to keep me from trouble. But my heavenly father, he knows exactly what's best for me. He knows what's best for me better than I know myself. Because you know what? The word of God says our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. And who can know it? But God says I, he knows the heart. And God sees where you're at and sees the area that you might need that discipline. And church, we've got to be willing to submit to it. Our father knows best for us. Amen. 
He knows best for us. And then here's the thing. When you're going through discipline, how many, everybody, anybody ever really liked discipline? But it's, it's like the old adage in the gym. They say, no pain, no gain. It's like I said, when I played football, when I was going out that first few weeks, I wanted to quit. It was horrible. It was bad. I, in Florida, hot in the morning, hot in the afternoon, and it was horrible. And the coaches treated you like mud, you know. And you worked hard, worked hard. But here's the deal. They were, they were trying to get us in shape to play football. In a few weeks, all the pain was gone. It was fun. You couldn't wait to get out and hit somebody, you know. But look at this. He says, he says this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Man, that's a, that's a great promise, isn't it? Look at that. Well, look what he says. He says, but after there, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. So here's the Let God come alongside you. Let Christ come alongside you. And let him begin to be the mentor in your life. Let him be the coach in your life. Let, look at his word and let the word speak to you. And line your life up with the word of God. And allow, allow the word of God to, to mentor you and train you. The spo- the God, God's word will help you. Amen? Now look, church. Like I said, no pain, no gain. But here's the deal. This is why it's so important to, get this, to have this discipline in our life and walk in the walk of faith. We're to live in such a way that others can follow. We're to live in such a way that others can follow. If, we're, if I'm walking around in a, in a, and just going around in circles all around and making all kinds of shapes and stuff, how many you, you're not going to, once you look at it, you're not going to know how to follow all of that. But if I walk a straight path and I keep up my eyes on Jesus and I keep focused on the prize that says before me, people who's coming behind me is going to be able to follow a clear path. Now, look what he says in verse 12. He says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Listen to what he said. Take a new grip. Don't give up. I'm not giving up. I'm going to grab a new grip. I'm going to strengthen my knees even though I'm tired. But look at this in verse 13. He says, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. You've got people looking at you. You've, you've got some, many of us, we have grandkids and we have kids that are looking up to us. They're following our example. And if we don't lead a straight path and let them see a clear path, we can, we can lead them off the path when we go off the path. And they may not ever get back to the path. It's important that we keep our focus on Christ. Don't get distracted because there's people who are looking to you to see Christ. Even the people that you work with. The people that you, you work with every day, are you walking in such a way that they can clearly see Jesus? Are you living your life in such a way that they can clearly have a picture of who Jesus is? Because we're told, it says, take a new grip with your tired hands. Strengthen your knees. Just not, in other words, don't quit. Because if you quit, it's going to affect others. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. He said, when you do that, here's the, here, there's some great things here. We can live a life of peace. 
Look at this. Work at living and in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. How many of the holy, the, the holy the things are, is Christ in us, amen? Christ in us. So we're to live a peaceful life. Now look what he says in verse 15. This is pretty interesting because he's talking about discipline, okay? He says, look after each other. This is, the, well, the point, let me give you the point of that. I've got your back. He says, look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. Look after each other. You know what? If we're in a race, and Bert and I are running together, and Bert says, man, I just feel like giving up. What's my, what's my, should I say, oh, just drop out. If he's my partner, I should be saying, hey, take a new grip. I'm going to be here. I'm going to encourage you. How many, when you, have you ever done something, somebody encouraging you to keep going? It's a blessing, isn't it? And that's what we're to do. When we're in this whole thing together. We got to look for, out for others. There's other people who are running this same race, and sometimes they want to give up. You know what I found out through the years? People who have given up, at once started out serving God and walking with God, when they, all of a sudden, when things didn't go well or something happened in their life, maybe it was a tragedy, something they didn't understand, they got angry at God, and all of a sudden they just said, I, I quit. I'm not going to mess with it anymore. You know what happens to most of them? What happens in the latter part of this verse? He says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You know what? When most people who don't finish well and they give up become bitter. They become bitter. All they can think about is how they got hurt, what somebody did to them, what happened here, what happened there, and they can never move beyond that, and they live a life of bitterness. So I don't want to quit. I don't want you to quit. I'm going to to be there to encourage you. Amen? And how many know, church, we need to be encouragers with one another. You need to look at people around you. If you see somebody is lagging, they they feel like maybe they're out of church, you haven't seen them for a while, hey, give them a phone call. Call them. Talk to them. Encourage them. Hey, say, don't, don't give up. It's not a time to give up. This is a, we, more than ever before, the church needs to persevere. The church needs to stand up. We need to run a race that is, is, brings glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we won't give up. Amen? See, like I said, in Hebrews, that's what was happening. These people were giving up. They were quitting. After experiencing the goodness of God, they decided to walk away back under the law. Here's the deal. You can't finish the race by quitting. You finish the race by crossing the line. Amen? And God wants us to finish the race. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. But he says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up and troubles you, corrupting many. Now, that last statement, corrupting many, you know how that happens? Say, I started off running, and I got hurt by a church, and I did this years ago. I got hurt in church. You know what I did? I stayed out of church for almost a year and backslid away from God. You know what else I did? I began to tell everybody about how the, the pastor hurt me, running the pastor down, that bitterness I was spilling out into everybody else's life. Thank God he restored me, but you know what? Don't, don't stop because I tell you there's a prize ahead amen we're running the race to be with the father 
And it's not a sprint. It is, it's been a marathon, and it will continue to be a marathon. But I believe we're closer to the finish line than we ever were before. I really do. I believe we're closer to heaven than ever before. And I just want to live my life, and I want to finish well. Amen? Would you stand with me across this room this morning? Father, I thank you this morning for being able to just uh, take this time to share, God, the word, your word, oh God, to the hearts of your people. And I just pray, God, that, Lord Jesus, that we would just be willing to submit ourselves to you. That we would just, that we'd just not give up, but, Lord, we'd be willing to be, take the discipline that you have for us, the training, the coaching, or whatever needs to be done. God, that you would be glorified. You would be honored. God, we want to we finish well. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was trying to encourage the, the believers there. Finish the race. Run it with endurance. When you feel like giving up, strengthen your, strengthen your hand. Take a new grip. Strengthen your knees. Keep going. But also, God, we need to encourage others too. So, Father, I pray, God, that you just help us to begin to live out your word every day and keep our eyes upon Jesus who's the author and the finisher of our faith. I ask it in the name of Jesus.